Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Basketball Jones, Hail Varsity's Jacob Padilla, on the Connor Happer Show on 1620 The Zone. All right, let's talk some ball with Jacob Padilla of Herdad Sports. He had a long night the other night with the. Uh, Pre-game, the post-game, the game, the post-game, and then the post-game podcast. Jacob, uh, hello. Good morning, by the way. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, a little bit more sleep than I did yesterday. So what time did you walk out of the building on what would have been uh, Wednesday morning? Like 4.06 or something like that. <laughs> I, I was amazed uh, to wake up and see the the post game pod in my feed, and I was able to knock out half of it, you know, before the show yesterday, which I felt great about. So w- I feel as if we're indebted to both of you guys. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I I wish we were better at uh, yeah. Four oh six is when I uh, tweeted out the uh, the photo of Matt and I walking out yesterday. So <laughs> um, yeah, we there really wasn't much of a reason for us to take that long, except for that's just kind of how we operate. That's okay. And there was a lot to talk about, a lot to write about, and a lot to uh, lot to pod about, of course, after the game. Uh, have you gone through a rewatch yet, by the way, of Creighton-UConn? I have not just yet. Um, that, that'll be today. I'm trying to keep up with some of the Nebraska stuff, too. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll get to it. But uh, that was the first watch was pretty fun. So, so first, well, yeah, it was. Uh, first blush, like, where do you fall on the scale of – um, like how much did Creighton go? Like w- when I heard about the final score, cause I was sitting in Lincoln doing the women's game and you know, people were you know, texting me or whatever about what Creighton was doing to UConn. I, my first question was, did they go full 2014 Villanova? Like, did they go full supernova on them? Um, and there was definitely spurts where they, where they did that. I was under the impression that, these little 4-0, spurts in the game would just be gigantic and Creighton hit, you know, at least, a, you know, I think their biggest run was 10-0 in the game. Like, where do you fall on the scale of how much above and beyond Creighton went to, you know, what their own capabilities are to do what they did to UConn, especially in the first half the other night? Well, Creighton went a solid seven minutes without missing a shot at one point in the first half. That's pretty good. Um, so yeah, that that very is very much so is Villanova uh, esque. Um, so they one point four six six points per possession for the entire game. That's insane. So yeah, it it, it really yeah. uh, th- there's definitely an outlier degree to 
just how well they played um, and how well they shot. I mean, 14 to 28 from three. Like that's the, the thing about that is, though, uh, it, it wasn't like they're just throwing in crazy shots all game. They really picked UConn apart. They and did. They, they got really good looks throughout the night, and they haven't always been able to convert on open looks this season. That's kind of been one of the uh, the the frustrating parts of watching this team, but they certainly did uh, it, uh, in that game and uh, picked a good time for it because uh, man was that impressive. Especially, I mean, coming out of the the first game where they couldn't do anything on offense. That's what I'm thinking. Just it's the direct opposite. Minutes. <laughs> and the first, so the first two and a half minutes. They gave they turned the ball over twice and gave up uh, two offensive rebounds. They got down seven nothing and then eleven to three, and it looked like just more of the same from the first game. Yep. And then they settled in and finally started to realize, all right, this is this is how we can attack this team. This is what we need to do. And they started executing it at a high level. Like that was a different. Like the first time, UConn's execution was so far ahead of where Creighton's was on both ends of the floor that Creighton just didn't look like it belonged for long stretches of that game. Uh, in this one, after the first uh, four minutes or so, Creighton looked comfortable most of the night. And even when UConn kind of forced them late in the shot clock, they were able to make some really impressive plays at that point. Uh, so just a really impressive performance, really good team performance that a lot of different guys playing well. I mean, get, getting two threes apiece from Francisco Farabella, Mason Miller, and Jason Green, uh, yep. like that, that was huge. Uh, and then Trey Alexander as well. So, um, four guys that they've been kind of hit and miss throughout from three. And obviously, uh, Jason Green, those were the first two threes of his career. Um, so, like, that in itself is like, okay, that's something that isn't necessarily what you'd expect to get. But uh, he stepped up to the moment and made some huge plays in this game. So, yeah, it's just total, like, it, across the board, you had guys playing really well. Uh, at the same time, and that's how you pull off a, a win like uh, Creighton did in that one. How have they been able to, and I want to talk about those guys too, um, but just bigger picture, I guess. How, two games against UConn now, and obviously the offensive you know, scale was, like you just said, completely opposite. In the first game, they were suffocated and they couldn't breathe. In the second one, um, they were able to generate good looks and then make them all, or not all of them, but I, close to it. In some cases, but defensively, they've put into they've put together two really good performances against UConn. Who I mean that 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 hasn't happened to them really much all year. It's the third rated adjusted efficiency offense in the country, um, according to Kempom. And Creighton has now had the had a had their number defensively both times. Like, is that just what is that to you? It, it, obviously, you know Creighton's personnel. They kind of match up okay in a way where they, you know, they they do a pretty good job of, of funneling it in there. But they have good, they have such great scores everywhere else. Um, Ashworth chasing around Spencer, like how have they been able to crack the code on what UConn is doing offensively? One, they're just really smart in the way that they approach defense, and it's different than a lot of other teams. Uh, and I think Creighton defended UConn differently than most other people do. Um, part of that is Ryan Kalkbrenner. Yep. The, the, none of the other teams in the conference have a Ryan Kalkbrenner. So that allows you to try things that others may not even consider doing. Um, 
And so that that's part of it. I mean, even in this game, UConn uh, like shot over 50% inside the arc. They scored 40 points in the paint. So it wasn't like Crane completely shut them down. But uh, the way they choose to play defense, um, kind of the, the, we've talked about kind of the math equation of twos, threes, the, the shots that you're willing to give up. Um, and Crane just d- did a phenomenal job of not giving UConn open, comfortable threes all night. Uh, they, they were 3 of 16 from three. Creighton was 14 of 28. That was the ball game right there. Yep. And that's by design. It wasn't just, oh, Creighton was hot and UConn wasn't. It was uh, like they, they took 12 more of them. Um, and their quality of three-point attempts was so much higher. And that's one of the things when you look at Creighton's uh, defensive profile is they're one of the best in the country at limiting opposing three-point shots. Uh, third third in the country in uh, lowest opponent three-point rate. So number of field goal attempts that are threes. That's crazy. Uh, c- compared to overall shots. And they're eighth on offense. So that's just a massive, like, teams actually – the teams are shooting 32% against Creighton. Creighton shooting 36.5%. Um, so, like, that's that's a massive advantage. And that's something that is by design. And this is probably the best example of it that we've seen, considering uh, strength of opponent. Uh, and when you get in and watch, or just go back and watch Ashworth. Uh, like, I was just going to say, man, it, yeah. it's crazy. So, Cam Spencer... Cam Spencer averages just a hair under six attempts a game from three, and he's gotten four in two games and made one of yep. them against Ashworth. Yeah, and just go watch, like, again, forget the ball, forget about everybody else, just watch Ashworth on a possession. The the amount of running around he's doing, the, the way he's chasing through screens, the way he's right on his hip, um, like, they run. And that's the thing that was really impressed me the first time watching the UCAMP game. They just ran Creighton around in circles. Like their their sets were so creative, and they executed them really well. And uh, this time, like they blew up all that stuff. They stuck with them. They got through all the off ball screens, all the movement. Uh, and Ashworth was as good at that as anybody else. Uh, and I mean, credit to uh, the the fours too, and taking Caravan. I mean, yet uh, Caravan and Spencer average. Uh, about 29 points or so between the two of them, 29, 30. Uh, they had 13 points on 15 shots mm. between the two of them. Um, so, and, and two assists. So they w- weren't making plays for others. They, they weren't scoring. Uh, just phenomenal defensive execution. Obviously, Tristan Noon got going in, in the second half. They were willing uh, to live with that, though. I, I exactly. Feel, yeah. that they were willing to live with the shots that he was getting. Even when UConn cut it down to 10, um, then they, the defense stepped up, and they, they didn't score again for almost three minutes. So um, just it, it was that was really impressive. Again, the overall, like, it's low possessions, and because of the offensive rebounds and all that, like, it's not like Creighton's defensive performance, like the results uh, from the first game were actually a lot better than this one. But just watching the way they were able to pull it out, and um, it, it was a lot of fun watching them uh, – just execute their defensive game plan in this one and keep UConn out of sorts all day. Ashworth's, I mean, evolution has been now well-documented, but I guess for you, Jacob, when you know, you're know you looking at him at the beginning of the season and um, obviously the three-point shooting wasn't there at that point in time, you kind of thought, man, this is 
and he's and he's trying to work his way. He's trying to fit into the offense. They're trying to figure it out with Trey. Trey struggles a little bit as well. Um, he starts to bring the defense to the table. That flips that that switch flips after the first UConn game, and you're still waiting for the offense. And now here comes the offense. How how has he done it? Like how is how has he got? Is it just the simple like he's gotten comfortable? Um, and 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 that's it for him, or like I guess how has Stephen Ashworth gone from guy that they were taking off the floor in late game situations earlier in the year to now you can, you literally can't take him off? Yeah, I I, it, I think it really is simply he's gotten comfortable, but it's not it's not something that just happened. He he put in the work, he the film study, the, the putting in the extra reps in practice, he put in the work to where he does feel comfortable now. Um, and he figured it out and figured out, all right, how, how do I fit on this team? What am I capable of? Um, and I think that's something that like, as fans, when we're trying to react to what things look like, there's an adjustment period when you go to a new team. And what we saw it with Baylor last year where uh, what he is now this year compared to where he was a year ago, Ashworth kind of made that leap in season where he's, he fell things out early on. He was trying not to do too much, trying to get used to, all right, what is defense like at this level? Um, and then as kind of the season played out, he got more reps under his belt. He started to figure out, okay, I can do this, and I can do this, and this is where the shots are coming from. Uh, and this is what I need to do defensively to, to stay on the court and, and to make an impact um, within the scheme. So that, that's – I was never – I always kind of like preached – caution like there's a reason they brought this guy in he's been a good player in his career what we saw earlier in the season um I never believed like that was what it was going to be the whole season I I, honestly I didn't understand like even with an adjustment period like it just didn't make any sense to me that the shooting numbers same um because we sit there watch watch practice and he's (laughs) he's the he's by far the best shooter on the team it doesn't it's not even close the stroke is beautiful like consistent um release is like perfect he's one of the best open uh, catch-and-shoot guys in the country, uh, Utah State, and then he's shooting 28% on open catch-and-shoot threes to start the season. It just didn't make any sense, and the likelihood was that it was, was, would uh, regress to the mean at some point there. Uh, and it's certainly done that while the rest of his game has taken off as well. And, again, like this UConn game, is this is what it can look like for Creighton. This is what the, the coaching staff envisioned when – they went about putting this team together during the offseason and adding the pieces they did and kind of reconfiguring some things with the changing personnel. Um, like they're, they're not going to hit 14 threes and shoot 50% from three every single game, but they're capable of doing that, especially if they execute the way that they did in this one and generate those looks. And Ashworth is a big part of that, both the shots that he's taking and the ones that he's setting up uh, for other guys. What's a reasonable expectation for – because we saw, I mean – above and beyond from these guys. And you, you mentioned at the beginning, um, Bellow and Green, but also Mason too. I'd throw him into that group um, where they are combining for 20 points on six of nine from three. Jason Green makes his first two career threes. Bellow hit two huge ones. Miller hit the huge one at the top of the, at the top of the key. And then a little bit of a dagger later on, um, you know, like you're not going to get that from, from that trio every night. But what's a reasonable expectation for those guys down the stretch? Because I think, you know, to a certain extent, that'll that'll tell a little bit of the story for Creighton because you know what you're going to get from from basically the other four guys in the in the starting lineup. 
Yeah, like I mean, those guys right there is why Korean won by 20 and didn't have to gut it out at the end. Um, the Stars will give you a chance to, to win every single game you step out there. Um, that, that's how good those three and now four with the way that Afro's been playing lately. That's how good that group is. Um, whether kind of th- those other guys are, are the swing guys. And, all right, is this going to be uh, uh, grinded out to the finish game where um, got to hope we make the last play? Or are they going to get enough around those guys to really create separation? And, uh, again, I, Jason's not going to come to, come out and knock down two threes every single game. But what we're starting to see from him, um, just, I mean, I, I put a quick Twitter thread on it together yesterday. If people want to go check it out, uh, Jacob Bedeau underscore. Um, just he made six huge plays mm-hmm. in sixty minutes that directly put points on the board or took them off. The full right. court chase down. I yeah. mean, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, and the, that's certainly in there. That was the one that took points off the board for them. Uh, and then he uh, continues to be a force on the offensive glass. He drew uh, drew a foul in there. We got, got undercut. Out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, got got a tip out that. Um, Ended up coming back to him for one of his threes. He got an offensive rebound that led to um, uh, um, Steven, I think, scoring on the second opportunity. So every play he made out there uh, directly impacted the score. Hmm. And, again, it was he wasn't out there a ton, but 60 minutes he made six huge plays. Like that's, You get three big plays out of him. Like That's kind of what we've been seeing is two, three plays out of him. But the, these uh, – the last two, and obviously it's going to be matchup based, kind of how guys are playing. Uh, we just Green didn't really play uh, against Butler just because uh, McDermott didn't like the matchups, and they wanted to keep uh, Shireman on Telford as much as possible, and um, so it kind of rolled with that. And then, but he was ready to come back in the next game, and Mac told him, "Be ready, uh, you're going to have a chance to shine," and he certainly did. So um, I think what we're starting to see is, yeah, Green is a guy that you can. Uh, include in, in the rotation and a guy that is actually going to be able to, to give you production and meaningful minutes, whether it's not going to be eight points a game every single time, um, but he's going to go out and there, give you two, three plays just with his hustle, with his kind of different profile than some of the other guys out there. And that's big, just a little bit more. That's kind of what we've been looking for all season. Um, just a little bit more from those other guys mm-hmm. that can kind of push you over the top. So, um, I, as you kind of head in the postseason here, and obviously Big East tournament, you're going to need. You're not going to be able to win it with five guys. You need uh, Mason and and Jason and Francisco and um, those guys to kind of be options that that can go out there and give you some minutes, give those guys some rest, and and not hurt the team. So um, that's kind of the the big development I think down the stretch here. Um, if they can continue that. Um, then you feel a lot better about your chances going into the postseason. Hey, I told you at practice on Monday when Mason was struggling with that drill. What I say that he's going to make three of three. Uh, <laughs> he made two of three, sadly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got the that, that bucket inside the yard as well. That little layup. That's that's a bucket. Okay. All right. So he made three buckets. That's what three, I was saying. Three or four. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 definitely what I was saying for sure. Uh. All right. Down down the stretch here, Jacob. Before before we let you go. So. Um, you know, you turn right around, you go to Madison Square Garden to play a desperate team on Sunday, Seton Hall, Marquette, Villanova. Um, I, I guess we'll just ch- touch base here um, on the on the ceiling part of this again. W- what what changed, if anything, 
after the win on Tuesday night about their their sort of big picture and where this team could ultimately get to? Well, what changes now? You've got legit top four seed. Like they they were kind of right on that borderline. Now you got a chance to get up to that three line. Um, and who, who like I haven't studied closely what what the twos are doing and how much movement there might be there, but um, adding that blue chip win to, to go with Alabama, which has uh, certainly uh, kind of lived up to what McDermott thought it might when they got that win in the non-conference. Um, now you got two really good wins there, two top 10 net wins um, to put at the top of your resume in addition to the overall good record and uh, your metrics and all that. So um, it, it's just huge for kind of positioning going into the postseason um, as long as they kind of continue to take care of business now. Um, they're not going to play as well as they did uh, against UConn uh, every single game now, and it's still kind of a tough stretch here to finish it out. But the good news is that was the toughest one, and they came out on top. Um, they made up that that, uh, that Butler loss with a better win. So now you're in good position here to kind of control uh, the, the finish here and put yourself in, in uh, a spot to where you kind of have a chance to end up in a good place for the postseason and end up with a meaning, uh, manageable path um, so long as they continue to, to play uh, at a good rate right now. And obviously, we know St. John's is kind of uh, in, in a weird place right now. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens there at, at Madison Square Garden. And then um, Seton Hall and Marquette at home. Those are uh, – uh, I mean, you kind of owe both those guys. Uh, you know, that that was a ridiculous game on the road. So hopefully at home you can kind of control things a little bit better. And then that Marquette, I mean, if they – obviously if they, they went out, uh, that would it would be very good for, for uh, um, their resume or whatever. But you add that Marquette win to uh, the, uh, the UConn win, come back and avenge two of your losses and score those big wins. Like, yeah, you're looking at – a really good seed here. So like, that's what's at stake now that UConn made that a legitimate, uh, a second place finish in the conference, a top three seed in the tournament. Like all that is on the table now with that UConn win. All right, Jacob, we'll let you go. Thanks for taking the time as always. Appreciate you. And, uh, we'll talk to you later. Are they going to let you back in the building next time? Well, I, you know, I got some decent wins under my belt and I was there in spirit. I was, <laughs> you know, I was taking some ground balls. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you, you, your face was there. Uh, <laughs> you may not have been, but uh, uh, you had a presence at least. I have not thought about the 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 lack of Happer curse yet, but thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week. See you later. That's Jacob Padilla of HerdatSports.com. All his write-ups and uh, Twitter threads, of course, uh, check those out because they're great stuff. And the post-game pod with the Marinas White Blue Review. 4 a.m. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. Sicko. That sounds about right. Definite sicko. I'm glad we have him. <laughs> he does stuff that we don't want to do. Hey, could you filter all the information in the world <laughs> and dispel it out to me? And have it right there sitting there yeah. for when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, It's a beautiful thing. That's a service. I had not thought about the Happer, the Happer curse yet. Oh, you haven't? I mean, they won, uh, you know, they won 20 games now. I've been in the building for... For all of their other home wins besides that one. Jack Mitchell has returned to PBA this season, yes? He has. Okay. 
That was my night at the lead. And Nebraska ball is fine this year. They're a good team. I watched them beat Alabama, their other best win of the season. I was there. Okay. That happened. Former best win of the year. Yeah. So until I'm there and they lose at home, then I don't I don't think we have a discussion quite yet. But I'm also the center the 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 center focus of this potential curse. So. Now you're you're almost you're almost in the clear. Not a lot of home games left. That's not, true. Not just, a lot of games left. Just two, in fact, and one with my best friend Frank Caliendo, or Josh's best friend Frank Caliendo. Yeah, I gotta reach out to him. Is he coming around again? I mean, I might want to pin him down with like a date and a time, and he's gonna be here. Like he's, he's doing the shows. So, I think so. Yeah, you better you better text him. Yeah, just say hey, good morning. Good morning. Miss you. It's, it's your buds. Miss you. Creighton, how about them Jays? All right. Uh, thank you to Jacob for joining us. Uh, still some more things to come. We'll get into what the Big Ten and the SEC are trying to maneuver for the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. Still a question from AI, AI Schaefer. Plenty to come on the Connor Hamper Show on 1620 The Zone. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 